you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Live Podcast. It's me, your man, MG, Marcus Grant, alongside the Fantasy Viper, Graham Barfield. Michael Fabiano is off being famous uh, over with Rich Eisen right now. So uh, yeah. yeah, well, it's the perks of just no one knowing who we are, so. Right, yeah. exactly. Anonymity, man, it has its benefits. It's yeah, it fantastic. Does. Uh, I want to start, actually, I, I had a, a very fun weekend. If you follow me on Twitter, you saw that I uh, had the good fortune to be invited to Canton, Ohio for the Kings Classic Draft, the second edition of it. A um, lot of fun. Uh, I did a 14-team auction, which I can say is the first time I've ever done one of those. Yeah. It's a beast. It, it has to be, man. Like, auction drafts are, are actually my favorite way of drafting. I just think there's so much more game theory, and uh, everyone has access to the whole player pool. I just think it makes for just a better draft experience. But 14 teams, that's yeah. a complete bear. It is, it is an absolute beast. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we'll have Mike Taglier from Fantasy Pros coming on a little bit later. He and I were there together, sitting next to each other on one of the couches there. But uh, I also want to just give a shout-out to, to Bob Lung, at Big Guy Fantasy Sports, Brad Evans over at Yahoo. They are the two masterminds. 
behind this King's Classic. Uh, and like I said, through two years, it's been a lot of fun. It has become kind of a, a fun networking event as well. It was nice to to meet people that I only knew via Twitter or just uh, you know meet folks that I had never met before. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And, and a huge thanks to the folks at the Pro Football Hall of Fame for letting a bunch of nerds come and crash there for several hours and do fantasy drafts. Um, it was fun. We, we were in a, a room. It's like an all-glass room, really nice lounge area. And the museum's open, so people are, like, walking by. Yeah. And I think people kind of peered in, thinking that we were, like, Hall of Fame voters or whatever. Like, and then we were like, oh, no, we're doing a fantasy draft. And the result, and the, their response was kind of like, oh. Uh, and they just kept it moving. <laughs> so, so that was it. But uh, it was a lot of fun. It was definitely a lot of fun. So uh, there you go. We got plenty to talk about. Mike Tagliere, as I mentioned, will join us. Mike Florio will stop by Lots and uh, join us. I know. It's like Mike Mike and Mike. That's another network, though, huh? Uh, not anymore. I don't even think that show exists. No, it doesn't. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Mike and Michael stop by. Uh, they will talk. We will also talk about things that are pumpkin spiced because, well, I don't know, just because. Um, so there you go. Uh, we are currently in stage five, which you may know if you have seen us uh, do our fantasy live shows on the internet in the preseason. So we're not in our normal studio. Uh, senior Edward L. Murphy Esquire is still in points unknown. I think New York. Never heard of it. Anyway, um... So Steve Manny, once again, is on the boards. He can't talk to us, but wave Steve. There, he's waving. You can't see him because it's a podcast, but just trust me, he's waving. Is that how that works? That's how that works, man. It's, uh, it is not a visual medium. So now that I've rambled for a whole long time, let's do some news. Through the news. All right. So this happened as we were just getting ready to uh, begin our draft at the Kings Classic, which actually is the second year in a row that Josh Gordon has been reinstated right before that draft. It's become a tradition oh, unlike wow. any other. Uh, Graham, I know you said last week that if if Josh Gordon came back, that you're back in on him. So I assume. Oh, man. I've been ba- I've been back in. I never left. So so okay, you're back in. So where are you back sure. in? Like what what round? What area are you looking to draft? That's that's the crux and. I haven't done any drafts um, worth like actual uh, any jelly beans mm-hmm. um, since Gordon has been reinstated. So I, I haven't had to fire any live bullets yet. But I think <laughs> right now is like sixth, seventh round feels right to me. I mean, okay. he's probably going to get suspended. He's probably minimum going to get a two game suspension. Uh, right. We're kind of waiting for the league to come back on that. But uh, people don't realize that like, yes, it was only 70 targets he saw last year, but he posted a career high in yards per target. Posted a career-high catch rate. Uh, his passer rating when targeted was the highest of his career, better than his 2013 season with the Browns. Um, Josh Gordon's not going to be pummeled with targets like he was in 2013. He does not have a 170-target ceiling in this <laughs> offense. But 110 is very achievable with their just wide-open pass-catcher corpse. Uh, Nico Harry has started slow and kind of been banged up. Julian Edelman's been out of camp. It's, it's, it's still a really good spot for Gordon. I have seen such a wide range in where he's coming off the board. I've seen in one draft him, him come off the board in the fifth round. I've seen in another draft that I did last night with some friends where he didn't go into, like, the 12th round. Well, let's, let's go through it. So sixth round, right, is, like, Allen Robinson, uh, Calvin Ridley, Robbie Anderson. Who, who do you uh, – out of that grouping, like, that feels right to me because yeah. Gordon has that, like, receiver two ceiling. Right. But obviously he's, you know, taken more time away from football. He's been out of Patriots camp. He's going to get suspended. He's going to get suspended potentially. The other part of it is – and this was a wrinkle that came up over the weekend – he could end up on the NFI list, the non-football injury list. 
if that happens going into the season, it works sort of like the pup list where that means he's not available to you until after week six. Uh, and so I guess to look at him in the fifth or sixth round and have that hanging over your head that you might have to hold on to him for six or seven weeks, that to me makes me a little nervous, which sure. is why I, I guess I feel comfortable. 12 seems a little late, but maybe, you know, eight or nine just because of that risk. But I'm, I'm also kind of risk averse when it, when it comes to these sorts of things. Uh, but I do think it's funny because, you know, it, I, I would say it's, it's like a Pavlovian response for fantasy Twitter when Josh Gordon's uh, name comes up. Well, it is for me, absolutely. <laughs> no, I, I'll say, too, that's a good point about risk management because it, it just depends on your team build, right? If, like, if Gordon is your receiver four in the sixth or seventh round, that's fine. But if, he's your, if, but if you started running back heavy or you got O.J. Howard in the fifth round and he's your second receiver, that's, mm-hmm. that's not necessarily a spot I want to have. Right. Uh, news out of Dallas? Uh Jerry Jones, after watching Tony Pollard have another good week, came out and talking to reporters, said, Zeke who? Um, Look, I I mean, I know it was sort of a joke, and I know that's Jerry's sort of his way of negotiating. I also know Zeke and his agent were not all that thrilled about hearing that sort of thing. But I guess the upside, Graham, is that Zeke has left Cabo, and he's back in the Metroplex. So that means, in theory, he's one step closer to being back on the field for the Cowboys. Uh, I mean, I feel like he still hasn't dropped that far, right? He's still hanging around in the top five right now. Yeah, if I'm drafting today, I'm taking him as early as third overall. I still remain staunch that a deal is going to get done here. And and this is just like, it's every year. You know, good. uh, Tony Pollard has looked great. I don't want to take that away from him. Mm -hmm. But it's every single year where a rookie running back will just beast against second and third string defenders and make a couple guys miss and everybody loses their mind. And this just happens to be you know, uh, a situation where Zeke has been out of camp. I- I'm still confident that I think he's going to play week one. Melvin Gordon is a whole nother, whole nother discussion, though. Yeah, I still don't think Melvin Gordon's going to be there, and I'm with you. I- I've believed this whole time that-, that Zeke was going to be there, and sure. nothing has changed my mind on that. But it does beg the question, even with him coming back, would you still take a chance on Tony Pollard yeah. at the very end of a draft? Absolutely. I think Pollard, he won't have standalone value because Zeke is going to play 75, 85% of snaps right. once again. But Pollard has shown that he is now for sure their number two back. And Marcus, I mean, like handcuffs are, I mean, we think we know what the handcuffs are most mm-hmm. of the time, but they, it usually <laughs> ends up being the third or fourth guy. I do feel comfortable saying Pollard is Zeke's true handcuff this year. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, if there's, and it's funny, I feel like every year we've been, because of circumstances, sort of looking for the handcuff. You know, like before when we knew he was going to be suspended at some point, everybody was trying to figure out right. who was next in line. Now this year with the holdout sort of thing. Uh, but I think, I think Tony Pollard over Alfred Morris sort of feels like the, the play right now. Quarterback news. Well, more like Andrew Luck news. The Andrew Luck watch continues. And he warmed up before a game. He yeah. was on the field. He was warming up. And bad things didn't happen. It looks like it's, it feels like one of those things where it has been a little bit overblown. Um, mm-hmm. I know we talked about this on the show last week where we just kind of all stuck our noses up like, oh, Andrew Luck is hurt. Just don't take him. Don't you, draft him. Don't draft him in the eighth or ninth round. Just wait and see if where he falls. Um, I, I'm still taking Luck around like QB6, QB7. But again, like um, there's just so many great quarterbacks. I and mean, we were just yeah. talking to Steven before the show, right? He said he had a draft, and he took Jared Goff over Luck, and he said... In the 13th round. Yeah, he said, should I regret that? And I said, no, honestly, yeah. no. I mean, Goff has been a fine QB1. If you're, you know, if you're a little more afraid than, of Luck's health than, than I am, that's fine. Yeah, uh, I know over the weekend, talking to Mike Taglia, who we'll, we'll talk to in a little bit, uh, he 
He says he believes that Luck's going to be there for week one. He doesn't seem all that panicked, but uh, you know, we'll get his thoughts when we talk to him uh, in just a little bit. So you can kind of dive a little further into it. The one thing, uh, the, the Colts say they do want to name a starter at quarterback by the third preseason game. This feels like one of those like college camp battles where like the head coach is like, yeah, we're going to name a starter, and everybody's like, what are you doing? We know who it's going to be. So like, short of Andrew Luck you know, getting his leg amputated, I'm pretty sure he's going to be their week one starter. Uh, last bit of quarterback news. Matt Nagy says Mitch Trubisky is, quote, way past where he was in 2018 in terms of reading defenses. Uh, Graham, I know you and I saw the same video of him last week, uh, a supercut of Mitch Trubisky trying to throw left, and uh, it wasn't pretty. Uh, <laughs> he can't, he can't throw not, left. It was not pretty. He's like Zoolander, right? I can't yeah, go left. Yeah, I was just... <laughs> Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I feel like the people are sort of all over the board with Mitch Trubisky. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know how you're feeling about him right now. I'm buying Trubisky just for the environment, right? Like, I'm a believer in Matt Nagy. I'm a believer in all of their talent. Um, and I'm a believer that they're going to be com hyper-competitive in a lot of games. But Trubisky's accuracy really concerns me. And I think he's going to have some huge, huge spiked weeks, especially when he scrambles and kind of does some of the great things outside of structure that he can do. Right. But he, you've got to understand that he is going to be a pretty high variance quarterback and for that reason I think he's you know he's going off the board behind guys like Philip Rivers and maybe even Jimmy Garoppolo just because I think drafters understand that he's going to have the spiked weeks but he's also going to have some pretty pretty low downside. I mean he's almost to me almost exclusively a streaming type quarterback like I don't know yeah. that I can draft in a, him. In a 10 or 12 team league there's really no reason there's just so right. many other guys that you can have late like Dak Prescott's going to go in the 13th 14th round of your draft and I'd just rather do that. Yeah no I, it's funny because I think I feel like you know every year there's so much Mitch Trubisky hype and he's fine. He's a great he's, he's a great QB2 in Superflex. I can see He's that. a great – if you get a stud quarterback and, and super – not even a stud quarterback, but just a consistent guy like mm -hmm. Phillip Rivers, and then you pair him with Mitch Trubisky where he can have those big spiked weeks right. where you can balance him out with someone who gets more consistent points. He's a great super flex play for sure. There you go. So, uh, of course, we'll keep an eye on that as well and all the peripherals around the Chicago Bears offense because Trubisky certainly affects those guys as well. So there you go. That's pretty much everything you need to know. <laughs> That was the news. Joining us on the phone right now, friend of the program and one of the really smart and good people in this fantasy football industry. You can read him over at Fantasy Pros. You can hear him on the Fantasy Pros podcast. You can find him on Twitter at Mike Taglier NFL. It's Mike Taglier. Tags, man. Appreciate you coming on. How you doing, man? It's <laughs> good, man. Long time no see. I, I know. I, I think I recall sitting next to you on a couch for like, I don't know, like eight hours. Uh, yeah, two days ago. Yeah, exactly. You and I were both, uh, for those who don't know, we were both in Canton, Ohio at the Hall of Fame for the second edition of the King's Classic uh, Drafts, the Auction and the Snake. And, um, you know, it, it it was a long, fun day uh, that we had there at the Hall of Fame. And you know, now that you've come out of it and you've had a couple of days to sort of to, to look over it, how are you feeling about your drafts there? I'm feeling good, um, and I feel better about my auction league team than I do my, my snake draft team. And the reason I say that is because, you know, going into a 14-team league, you have to assume there's going to be less chance to land studs on your team. You know, the, the positions dry up so fast. And I was really upset about my bench while there and thinking, like, man, my bench could have been better. But, I mean, in reality, it's really tough to walk away feeling good about a 14-team lineup and, you know, with having multiple flex spots. So uh, having a weak bench, I mean, I'm going to have to hit waivers and hope – you know, hopefully I don't suffer any injuries, but I think in a 14-team league, you kind of have that no matter what. 
So I've got my first of two main auction drafts. Um, one is coming this weekend. The, the next is the following weekend. And I'm kind of looking for, like, a listening both of your opinions. I haven't done an auction draft this year. Like, what, what, did, what did you guys notice in your league? I know it's a 14-team league. Yeah. That's a big league that, that typically people don't play in. But what did you notice? Uh, I mean, Mike, you, you can correct me if I'm wrong. The thing I noticed mm-hmm. is just how much value people placed on running backs. Um, yeah. You know, I know it, I know it kind of sort of became the running joke at the end of it that, you know, I, I threw out C.J. CJ Anderson for a dollar and it immediately jumped up to three and went to four dollars. And that's sort of where we are. But I think because there is such a big drop off, Mike, it just feels like that that there is a premium placed on trying to go out and maybe spending a little extra to get yourself a quality running back this year. Absolutely. And it just, I mean, it does depend on, on the size of the league as well. I mean, if you're in a 12 team, you don't have to panic as much, but in a 14 team, I felt like, you know, it's like I wanted, I wanted a few players in my lineup that I felt steady every single week. And, you know, to spend up for guys like Alvin Kamara and Odell Beckham, I was willing to do that, but it's so odd to see. And it's like understanding the crowd that you're going to be in because, you know, you could be a part of a, a group that devalues the running back position that maybe a lot of people feel like they're going to go zero running back. It's feeling the room. And I think a lot of people go into an auction thinking, I'm going to nominate players I don't want and let people spend their money. But at the same time, you don't want to be left with all your money at the end and like sitting there and thinking, where did all the studs go? You know, like all of a sudden I have all this money, but there's no players to bid on. So sometimes it's the best thing to bid a player up front. And like while people are, are a little bit tentative to spend their money, I think Dalvin Cook was what I think he may have been the first player nominated yeah. in our auction. And he went for, he was even, it was $2 below value on my cheat sheet, but I'm not really big on Dalvin Cook. So I didn't feel like, I, I, I didn't want to go in and up the value of him, but he turned out to be one of the better values of the draft because, you know, someone did it before everybody started spending their money because I think everybody is sitting back for the first few moments and trying to gauge the room. Yeah, I think it's exactly what happened. I think he went for $34, uh, and it really, really wasn't all that far off from some of like the big-time studs or some of the, some of the other guys kind of in that, that range. Uh, he ended up being a, a, a great value. Um, outside of the draft, you and I talked, uh, you know, as we were sitting on, on the couch all afternoon, and one of the things you mentioned – um, Andrew Luck, who I know we've all sort of been kind of keeping an eye on, you feel like he's going to be there week one despite all the panic. Um, I mean, please tell me that, you know, stabilize my feelings because I've been big on him all offseason and I've sort of been wavering, but but make me feel better about the fact that, that he will be there and be productive this year. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about a calf injury. It has nothing to do with his throwing shoulder, nothing to do with the upper body, which makes me like panic last. You know, Andrew Luck, when he came back from his shoulder injury, he wasn't running the ball as much as he used to, and that's fine. You know, he has weapons in the passing game. They have a great offensive line. They protect him in the pocket now. Uh, but Andrew Luck, the reason is, like, it's a calf injury, guys. And, you know, we've seen running backs, you know, when uh, a lot of doctors have talked about the picture that was released about Luck, and it looks like an ankle sprain. He's got it taped up, and they're like, that's not even, that doesn't even look like a high ankle sprain where they have it taped. Even if it were a high ankle sprain, let's say it was. Maybe he was overcompensating on that leg for, you know, because of the calf, and he suffered an ankle sprain. That's fine. We've seen running backs come back from high ankle sprains in two to three weeks at times. So no Andrew Luck's going to be dropping back to pass behind that offensive line. I think the Colts learned their lesson. I, I don't think they're promising anything with Andrew Luck because if you recall, you know, just a couple of years ago, they're telling people Andrew Luck's going to be ready. He's going to be playing. And then they shut him down for the year. It's like Andrew Luck is going to play this year. I'm not panicking about him because it is an ankle injury. I'm, he could walk if he were... You know, like we look at like guys like Philip Rivers, he might as well not have any legs. He's taking his three-step, five-step drops, whatever he's doing, and he's like scanning the field. Andrew Luck has become more of a pocket passer as he's, you know, 
progressed in his career, and knowing that offensive line is as good as they are, I'm not too concerned about it. I'm with you on this, Tags. I think we can drop him safely down our rankings, like maybe a few spots just based on yeah. – I don't I don't want to be the guy that's like overly optimistic about injuries in my league for sure, but I'm definitely mm-hmm. with you. Like I'm not going to let him fall past like the ninth or tenth round in my leagues because he can play behind this offensive line at like 85 or 90% on his – You know, yeah. this is a left leg injury too, so it's not like he's um, – you know, getting his power from his right leg on his throwing side. I'm with you on that. I, I don't. I don't think I'm. I'm letting him too fall. Fall too far down the board. Uh, yeah, I think. I, I think some of us in industry leagues, you know, we talk about like quarterback being values, but in, in, in like an in actual like you know home leagues, you know, 90% of the leagues out there, a lot of guys they take quarterbacks earlier than I'm going to yes. anyway. So Andrew Luck is usually never on the board when I consider him. Yeah, uh, I was reading through your list uh, of sleepers for this year. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and I know that I know the term term sleeper has become nebulous because we talk about so many guys. But but you actually yeah. pinpointed some guys that are really late round uh, in a lot of cases, not even being drafted. And one name jumped out at me when I read your list. Is this finally the year for Devontae Parker? Does it finally happen this year? <laughs> I think it's possible. You know, it's very really rare to find a guy that's being taken. He's essentially being undrafted. He's like his average ADP right now is 200 overall, and he's a guy that it, it he he comes with 120 target potential. You know, Adam Gase leads the team. Everybody expects the Dolphins to move on from Devontae Parker. Like I think that I was aboard that. So I was like, okay, it seems like the team is ready to move on. They're not going to take the option. They the first thing they did when Adam Gase left was they extended Devontae Parker. It kind of tells me it's like they. I think Gase held a grudge against Parker. It was similar in a way to Jay Ajayi. And maybe they weren't able to trade Parker last season. But, but like before the 2018 season, the stat I had on Parker, he had played 36 career games. In those games, he was a wide receiver three or better 53% of the time. Mm-hmm. When you do, like people are like, well, what does that compare to, Mike? Tyler Boyd in 2018 was a wide receiver three or better 57% of the time. So why are we judging Devontae Parker based on Adam Gase? The reason that I'm down, I'm down, like I'm moving Robbie Anderson down my board. The reason I'm moving Le'Veon Bell down my board is because I don't believe in Adam Gase. I, you know, I'm not saying that Brian Flores is a guy that I want to attach myself to, but knowing that Ryan Fitzpatrick looks like he has the, the leg up on the starting job, I want to attach myself to that quarterback because Ryan Fitzpatrick, you guys know, he's he's straight up degas. He's he's basically <laughs> a, a Jay Cutler-esque quarterback where he's willing to throw it up into one-on-one coverage. And Devontae Parker was drafted as a guy that's six-three, you know, over two hundred and twenty pounds should be able to win those one-on-one situations. So, I mean, it's hard for me to say that they're going to be able to run the ball with Kalen Balazs. So I think 120 targets are in the realm of possibilities. I'm not projecting that, but he is, he should be the top target there. So, and knowing his draft cost, it, it's like a risk reward thing and watch week one. And if, if it doesn't pan out, you don't you didn't spend anything to get him to drop him. You know, you, you actually mentioned in that explanation, kind of a, a, a quick little thing too. You mentioned Kalen Balaj, and this was a guy that, you know, a couple of months ago when I started drafting, I was taking him at the end of drafts just kind of as a dart throw or whatever. The hype has come so much that now he's moved up that, you know, he's gone from being a 14th round pick to like a, a ninth round pick in a lot of situations. And I think, Mike, we're overlooking the fact that the Dolphins are still going to be a bad team, that no matter how much we're hyping Kalen Balaj, they're going to be a bad football team. And so, you know, I think I just think we've gone too far in the other direction for, for Balaj, and maybe we are overlooking. What, what Devontae Parker could be. I absolutely agree. I mean, if anybody watched Kalen Balaj and Kenyon Drake f- play football last year, you could see which one was the better running back, and it's not even close. You know, talent does win in the NFL. And Brian Flores, you know, there might be more of a story in Miami than I know, uh, maybe off the field things. But what I do know is that on the field, Kenyon Drake's a superior running back. And if he wants to win football games, Kenyon Drake's going to be playing more of the snaps. 
Galen Balazs is a guy that, you know, when, when you have a, a player that could not start in the collegiate level, it's a warning sign for me. You know, like, mm-hmm. Galen Balazs, I watched his film, and, like, is he a size-speed specimen? Absolutely. I think some of his best attributes were actually in the passing game, and knowing that Kenyon Drake was one of the best receiving backs in football last year, it just moves him down my board. But unfortunately, this just seems like an ugly timeshare. So first off, you mentioned it. It's an ugly offense with an ugly offensive line. They have like one starting caliber offensive lineman there, and it's been a Laramie Tunsil. But he's over at left tackle. He's more of like a, a pass protector than he is a run blocker. So, and you know, when you combine the fact that it's a bad offensive line and a bad offense, and it's, it's an ugly timeshare between these two, I'm just avoiding the goals. I don't think that you're going to say – I drafted Kalen Balaj and he brought me to a fantasy championship. <laughs> I, that's basically what you're searching for when you get to that tenth round area. I would much rather take someone like an Anthony Miller, who yes. has breakout potential written all over him, or even a Ronald Jones. I, I know Ronald Jones is considered a bust, but guys, Bruce Arians coming in there is going to change things. Understand that no running back, like not just Ronald Jones, no running back under Dirk Cutter in Tampa Bay finished inside the top thirty in fantasy points per game. So. Again, why are we basing our opinion on Ronald Jones based on 30 career touches? Yeah, Marcus and I have been on record on this podcast all summer saying we, we don't want Dolphins and never Dolphins. And <laughs> it kind of seems like now, especially with Kenan Drake, now we, he has this kind of lingering foot issue that we're not entirely sure about. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's very likely. I, I don't think many people are going to have like we're, we're not going to be relying on Dolphins in our fantasy lineups probably early yeah. in the season. Uh, last little bit for you. We always appreciate the time, Mike. Um, you know, obviously, we still got a couple weeks left of the preseason, and I know everybody sort of watches these games differently. Uh, for you, when you sit down and, and you watch preseason football, what specifically, what, what sort of things are you looking for? Do you suggest people keep an eye out for when they watch these games? Uh, it's really who's getting snaps with the starters. Um, you know, like Patrick Mahomes is going to probably play, you know, maybe a quarter, quarter and a half. And it's like you want to see if Darwin Thompson is going to get more time with the ones after showing out. You know, Tony Pollard being on the field with Dak Prescott, it, it, I was hesitant to believe, to believe that he was the direct handcuff to Ezekiel Elliott, but it seems like Jerry Jones and that coaching staff believes in him. Um, but, you know, some of the things that people are, are missing here is like a guy like Mitch Trubisky. We've heard a lot of things out of camp about how oh, he's struggling and, you know, he's throwing interceptions. And, you know, taking a page, I'm not saying he's Aaron Rodgers, but Aaron Rodgers says if you're not throwing picks in practice, you're not doing something right. Because basically that's the time where you should be, you know, experimenting what you can and cannot do. I believe Matt Nagy's a smart coach. And basically if, if Mitch Trubisky was having that much issue, he would be out there in the preseason more. Uh, he hasn't thrown a single pass in the preseason yet. And that, that is more of a word. So instead of taking a, a word from maybe a beat reporter, it's, it's like reading in between the tea leaves and saying, if Matt Nagy was really uncomfortable with Trubisky, if he looked that bad, why, why isn't he playing throughout the preseason? <laughs> so... Basically, that's the stuff I look for and getting running backs on the field with the starters because whether they're a, run, a young running back or it's like, you know, under Mike McCarthy, pass protection was obviously a big thing. I don't think some coach value that too much, um, but, if, but if they do, you obviously want to see them out there with the starters. So behind them, it's just a bunch of guys fighting for depth, but getting on the field with the starters is definitely a step in the right direction. If throwing picks in practice uh, means you're doing something right, then Jimmy Garoppolo is my new QB1. Five in a row. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mike, we appreciate it as always. For the folks out there listening, uh, you can find him on Twitter at Mike Taglier NFL. You can find him at Fantasy Pros on the Fantasy Pros podcast. Uh, hey, be well. Uh, we'll be in touch. And uh, best of luck this season, man. Thanks, guys. Good talking with you. All right. Take Thanks, care. Tags. Thanks to Mike Taglier for his time. Always appreciate chatting with Tags. You can find him over at Fantasy Pros. Uh, go check him out if you haven't already. So we go from one Mike. To another Mike, from Mike Tagliere, to Mike Florio, our 
famous researcher. Welcome back, man. First of all, welcome back for another season. Thanks for having me. Thanks for that. And uh, I definitely can't follow up tags, so. I don't know, man. Like, you know, don't say yourself <laughs> short. Uh, you recently wrote for us on NFL.com a kind of a roundup or a preview of slot receivers. It was a thing you did last year, writing about slot receivers. They are all the rage. They're the new hotness uh, across fantasy and in fantasy football. So you went and you broke down uh, each team's leading slot receiver from last year with an outlook about who that person could be this year. So I want to just kind of pick your brain about a few of these things. Uh, the first one, because everybody loves the Arizona Cardinals offense, um, they may go four wide receivers a lot this year, which potentially means two slot guys, if we're really looking at it. Last year it was Larry Fitzgerald. Is there somebody you see being maybe a consistent slot receiver in Arizona this year? I still think it's Larry Fitzgerald as the, the top slot receiver, but we've seen Christian Kirk also operate out of the slot a lot this preseason. And last year, Fitzgerald ran 24.5 slot routes per game to just seven out wide. Uh, and Kirk only ran about eight per game. So I do think Kirk can improve on that number, but I don't think at you know his escalated age, they're all of a sudden going to ask Larry Fitzgerald to change who he is. Uh, but I think there is enough volume for both because... That's going to be an offense that we expect at least to run a lot of plays per game, definitely a lot more than they did last year. So I think there is room for both Kirk and Fitzgerald to operate in the slot this year. Uh, over to Chicago, um, you know, Anthony Miller wasn't great. I mean, there's a lot of expectations for him. Are we, are we overlooking him? Because I feel like we're not talking about Anthony Miller a lot right now. Yeah, I think we are. Uh, not that he should be, you know, drafted as a, a wide receiver that you want to get in your lineup every week, but it's also easy to forget that last year he was a rookie who was dealing with a shoulder injury all year long. I think the report said like it popped out of it like five times throughout oh. the season. So, yeah, yeah, that's that has to be painful. Plus, Mitch Trubisky missed time last year, but even with all that, Anthony Miller grew as a wide receiver, especially from the slot last year. He finished the year averaging 3.6 PPR points per catch. Uh, but from week 10 on, that number jumped almost a full point to 4.42, showing you just how much he was developing in his rookie season. And you would expect that another year in this offense, uh, it was a new offense both for him and Mitch Trubisky last year. You would think that as they both continue to get a little bit more comfortable, that there's better numbers to come this year. I went back and looked to last year. Mitchell Trubisky was actually better at targeting his slot receivers, like in terms of his performances. His YPA spiked, quarterback rating spiked. If we go back and look at some of his tape at UNC, he heavily tar targeted Ryan Switzer, their primary slot receiver at UNC. So Trubisky has been, throughout his very short career as a passer, he's been one that likes to target the slot receiver. And Anthony Miller is a fantastic pick in the 10th, 11th round for those reasons. Unfortunately, he's dealing with that little bit of an ankle injury. It's kind of yeah. keeping his price suppressed, so maybe we can get a little bit more, a uh, little bit cheap, cheap Miller shares. We'll yeah, going. there's value to be had there. It's and Trubisky call. last year, just under 10 passes per game to the slot. So there's going to be volume going that way. Nice. So this one, I'm just going gonna, gonna to throw out to the room, and you guys can kind of both weigh in on this because I'm very curious. Uh, the Rams are good about moving their people around. Is there somebody on this roster, whether it's Cup, Woods, Cooks, that you see as maybe being a primary slot receiver in that offense? I don't know if we're going to see just one guy operate exclusively out of the slot because last year in the eight games that all three played, all three did see some time in the slot, but Cooper Cup was the, the guy who saw the most time out of the slot. Last year, when the eight games that all three played, he averaged just under 17 uh, slot routes per game, whereas Woods was 11.8 and Cooks was 10.4. And I think it's worth mentioning that in those eight games, Cup led them in slot targets, receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns. So McVay is a genius. I think he's going to move these guys around and get the most out of all three of them. But I think 
Cooper Cup will be the one doing the prime most of the damage out of the slot for the Rams. Cup Cup is a guy that I've like come like full circle on like three times this summer. <laughs> where where are you taking him? Because I've taken him as early as like the twentieth receiver, and I've forgotten him as late as like the thirtieth. Yeah, I like him as a lower end WR two, and it's crazy to say that I have all three Rams ranked as a wide receiver two yeah. this year, but I do, and he is the one I have the lowest just because yeah. uh, I, he's going the cheapest. He's coming off the injury and such, but I think because he's the cheapest of the three, he is the chance to return the most value. And I have been taking him though as a low end yeah. WR two. I'm with you on that because I've got Cooks at 16, Woods at 17, and then Cup at uh, receiver 21. But I've just I've had Cup in so many different spots in my ranks just because there's so many good receivers in that range. But now that he, I guess he's fully healthy, it's you know, right. kind of getting becoming a good value spot, especially in PPR leagues. The one thing I will say about the Rams is that, and it pleasantly surprised me, is that I think people have sort of they haven't gone crazy. I really felt like this was, would be a year that Robert Woods was overdrafted based on what happened last year, and that people would forget about Cooper Cup. But it seems like everybody sort of remembered who Cooper Cup was, and I think it's sort of kept all of their draft prices fairly reasonable. Because I think, I think everybody sort of feels that way, that they're, they're sort of all wide receiver twos this year. They're all, you know, the chance to be productive. But I also feel like we haven't gone too far overboard on drafting any one of those guys. I think Cooks is my favorite this year, though. So year two in this offense, mm. Cooper Cup's probably not going to be 100% healthy. I think Cooks could have a huge ceiling year this Plus, year. Plus, Brandon Cooks actually gets to stay on the same team for two years yes. in a row, right? Like, yes. kind of a new thing It's a gorgeous him. spot for him. <laughs> um, all right, Florio, Jarvis Landry in 2019, right? I mean, they, they've added Odell Beckham. People are expecting, you know, David Njoku to take a step forward. Uh, you know, Nick Chubb's going to take a step forward. Are you looking at his 2019 being better, worse, or about the same as what we saw from him last year? I think it'll be about the same, but I think he'll go a different route to take it. I think Jarvis Landry on the football field this year will be better than he was last year. I think he will be a more efficient receiver. I just worry with Odell there. Odell is going to see his fair share of targets, we know. I worry about the volume decreasing for Landry, but I don't think people realize he finished last year uh, WR18 in PPR League. So he was a top 20 guy there. Plus, I don't think people factor in that he had a quarterback change midseason and then had a coaching changement season, so that's a lot to uh, have to digest on the fly as well. Plus, last year he was used very differently, uh, especially after Freddie Kitchens took over. He was used a lot more out wide than in previous years being used in the slot, and the slot is where you want Jarvis Landry to live. And because of that, I think he's, his efficiency is going to increase this year. Like last year, he had more air yards than any year in his career, as far back as we could track, but his... He had the fewest receiving yards since his rookie season, so it showed you that he was getting opportunity there, but it wasn't really where he can make his bread and butter like he can in the slot. So while I think his targets may dip a bit with Odell being there, I think his efficiency is going to increase. He had a career-low catch rate last year, too. I think that's going to spike him being more comfortable playing in the slot. And Baker Mayfield threw 10.7 passes per game to to the slot last year, so... I do think there will still be volume there. I have Landry and PPR as a top twenty receiver, uh, top twenty-four wide receiver, and I don't think a lot of people feel comfortable taking him there. I don't have him as a top twenty-four receiver, but I have kind of moved Landry up in my ranks for that reason. The Duke Johnson trade is sneaky, valuable too for Landry yeah. because some of those underneath targets that were going to go to Duke Johnson, even though there were just a few per game, they're going to go back to Landry, which I think is a huge boon for his value. And you mentioned that they were targeting him deeper downfield last year. That's true, and maybe with Beckham in the lineup, that he'll go back to that kind of lower A dot, those lower A dot targets in the shorter part of the field where he can just Hoover 
you know, like 80 to 90 receptions. And that, that's actually what I fully expect from him. I think we'll see a lot of Odell out wide. I think we'll see Higgins and eventually Callaway maybe on the other side. Yeah. And Landry will get to operate out of the slot, which is why we loved him in Miami, because it was those... It's the right fit. Those low... Down the short down the field passes, but high you know completion rate on those passes. So lots of volume. All right, I'm gonna put you on the spot right here. You got to you got to pick one of these three guys, right? Uh, where are you going? Uh, Danny Amendola, um, Golden Tate, or Cole Beasley? I think I would go Golden Tate because I think when he is back from suspension, he has the highest per game ceiling of any of those guys, but. Uh, with the suspension there, him and Cole Beasley are pretty close to me. I don't really want Danny Amendola. I don't, I'm staying away from the from all lines this year, but except for like the running game and stuff. But yeah, I think uh, those two are the close. But I think Tate on a per week basis will be better. If I swapped out Danny Amendola for like Nelson Aguilar, is that the... I like Aguilar. Just there's, I feel like there's a lot of question marks around him so and how many. Phillies are going the Eagles are gonna use their, their receivers. <laughs> so so many receivers there. I mean, they've yeah. got DJX. We've, we're expecting Dallas Goddard to see a few more looks this year. There's just so many receivers yeah. in the in their kitchen there. Yeah, should be fun. Uh, you are are you writing slot receivers all year for us this year? That that is the plan. Sweet, yeah. awesome. Yeah, so check them out every week. Uh, you can find it at NFL.com. Mike Florio writing about slot receivers. It, get in, get in on this. Um, so as we wrap up, I always like to do something fun. So you're here. Hopefully, you can hang out and, and we'll talk. Because I saw this the other day. Um, it is we're approaching pumpkin spice season. Anybody who knows me knows that it just drives me insane because I think I think pumpkin is sweet potatoes bland cousin. Um, but people seem to love it. That's fine. So I saw that they are introducing pumpkin spice spam for this year. I don't understand this. So it made me come up with this idea of like, of would you, right? Like the pumpkin spice edition of would you. So I went and they looked at all these different products, food and otherwise, that apparently are going to have pumpkin spice versions. And so I, I'm going to run through these and you guys can give me a, a hell yes, a hell no, or uh, maybe I'd give it a shot, right? So... I mean, let's just start. The pumpkin spice spam. How are we feeling about this? No. Hell no. Yeah, like I don't even eat regular spam. Exactly. I know, right? Like spam is never on my grocery list. Like, do people still put spam on their grocery Uh, list? I mean, in Hawaii. It's huge in Hawaii. Okay. That's, that's, yeah. Sorry, Hawaiians. I didn't mean to disparage your spam. Hey, look, man. I'm still, I'm guessing they don't eat pumpkin spice spam in Honolulu. That's just the thought. Um... Pumpkin spice, I saw there's pumpkin spice, like body wash and soap. So are you willing to go outside smelling like a pumpkin pie? See, now I have the purview of seeing your list. This is the only one I think on your list that I would say yes to just because it's an obvious one, right? I mean, you can maybe smell like pumpkins if that's your thing. Now for me, I don't particularly want to. I I wouldn't want to go out. Outside of maybe like Halloween day, (laughs) I wouldn't want to ever walk around smelling like a pumpkin. I mean, I feel like if your significant other is one who appreciates the pumpkin spice latte like at Starbucks, then maybe that's something you do. That is my fiance's favorite drink, so maybe I'll take... Maybe maybe that's a good point. Maybe you should try it. Yeah, there you go. Um, I saw a pumpkin spice protein powder for like mm. you know when you want to get gains but you also want to remember that it's thanksgiving too like it just sounds gross like most protein <laughs> powders are gross anyway right. and pum- pumpkin spice doesn't make it sound like it's any more appetizing yeah i'll, I'll stick to like chocolate or something like right? that cookies and cream to- are sneaky good too sometimes i've heard that before yeah. all right all right um i like pasta i don't know how i feel about pumpkin spice fettuccine I'm out on it. I had <laughs> that, makes, one, that makes no sense to me. <laughs> I had cinnamon-flavored pasta once, and it was pretty awful. That like, sounds sauce awful. And, yeah, so I'll stay away from pasta. Wait, so was it cinnamon powder, or was it like... It was... We didn't know, and, and they, we made pasta, and it was cinnamon-flavored, and it tasted gross. Especially <laughs> if you put sauce and stuff yeah. on it, right? Oof. 
That sounds oh. brutal. That sounds yeah, I was at someone's house and I had to pretend I liked it, but it was, <laughs> it was pretty terrible. Never heard that. Uh, last one. I guess pumpkin spice Pringles are going to be a thing this year. I don't know, man. I, I, people are into weird flavored chips, so yeah. I think I could see this, but for me personally, I, I don't want it because I'm with you. Like The pumpkin spice fat is just it's bizarre. It's overboard. To, it's bizarre to me. It's, I feel like it doesn't one. taste particularly good either. I mean, my argument: people don't actually like pumpkin; they like nutmeg and cinnamon. Like that's what it yeah. is, right? Yeah. Like, that's what it is. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, the the Pringles sound definitely like something where I would buy it, eat one, and then never eat the rest. That's <laughs> but I just I have to try it. Yeah. I would try one, and then that would kind of be it. Yeah. So, yeah. There you go. Uh, I appreciate you guys sitting and hanging in with us. Uh, appreciate Florio stopping by. Thanks to Mike Taglier for stopping by as well. Before we get out of here, a reminder: uh, our live show is coming. Week from today, actually. Uh, Monday, August 26th, for those of you in Southern California, we'll be at the Yard House in Marina Del Rey, 8 o'clock uh, in the evening there. We'll do a pod. We'll do some Q&A afterwards. Uh, we'll have some spots open for our listener league, and we'll make you do stupid human tricks to try to get in the league. It'll be fun. Uh, if you buy us a beer, maybe you just uh, you know slide in a little bit easier. Who knows? Anyway, uh, that's it. We are done. We appreciate you listening and downloading, as always. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember... Mosquitoes are like family. They're annoying, but they carry your blood. We'll see you on Wednesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. You know that feeling when you walk into your home? 
take a deep breath and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.